Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. It's great for me to be back in Oxford. Um, I, I thought of presenting here some of my recent work and tried to take the occasion to present something that is still ongoing, unfinished, and something that is instead uh, uh, pretty much more stru structured to, um, to show you what, what I'm heading to, where I'm heading to in my research. So um, um, some of you will know that uh, actually my main interest is in the uh, emerging form of uh, family uh, in specific cohabitation, how cohabitation distinguished from marriage and that how it did come about uh, so far, especially in the Euro in, in EU, in European countries. And what was in my, my interest uh, in the research in the last uh, years was uh, how to explain the uneven growth in cohabitation, how does it come that in Sweden is a very, very uh, common, common thing to do, very widespread thing in the state in, uh, in, um, in southern Europe is still something that is not so common and so. And it's emerging very, very fastly, very quickly in some of the Euro Eastern European countries as well, especially Estonia, but not so much in others, hmm, such as Ukraine or Poland, for example. So um, much of my research is, uh, is uh, comparative in that institutional contexts do matter uh, in shaping people's opportunities uh, and constraints in taking a decision, re respect many life domains, having or not having children, entering or leaving the labor market, and also which type of relationship they are going to uh, enter. Um, with respect to cohabitation, it has to do with uh, uh, opportunities in the labor market, in the housing market, which are also shaped by the institutional context, but also with the legal, legal recognition of cohabitation as such, whether there is any, like in France, like uh, in, in other countries, or whether there isn't any, like in Italy, for example. And... Um, much more, most of my research is entirely concentrated on uh, heterosexual couples, so I'm not going to talk about same-sexual cohabitation. Is, uh, is heterosexual partner living together? Cohabitation it means uh, living together by two partners in a loving relationship without uh, being married. Um, okay. Today I'm going to talk about uh, how individuals' perception uh, is uh, linked to uh, cohabiting. And now this is linked also to the societal, uh, the, percep the perceived societal approval of cohabitation. Because in the, in the book that I was uh, writing when, when I was here, I was finishing when I was here, um, the main argument is that um, cohabitation diffused at different pace and different rates. Also, uh, not only, but also because due to a diffusion process, due to the fact that people are influenced by what other people do. So they actually, the likelihood to cohabit, to enter a cohabitation, is higher the more people do it in the same environment. The more they get the examples of the behavior and the results, and the more the normative pressure not to do it because it's a strange mm, uh, behavior, sanction, normative sanction behavior, it lowers because the more people do and the less is the perceived sanction attached to it. Mm -hmm. So this is an explanation further in, uh, in the individual, individual and societal, perceived societal approval or disapproval about cohabitation because the assumption behind all this work is that um, the, the level of cohabitation of practice in a country at a, a certain time by certain groups is a good proxy of uh, the, the perceived uh, legitimacy of the practice. So these are some time series estimates from the labor force survey 
from uh, 1983 19, uh, to 2007 on the increasing proportion of cohabiting couple on the total of couples registered in the surveys over years. And here you see that uh, it was growing everywhere. This is France, this is the Netherlands, this is the UK, Austria, this, uh, this is Italy, the black one. So it's been growing at different paces. Hmm? Uh, but it's been growing. Hmm? Somewhere here in Eastern Europe, uh, much, much less uh, than, uh, than uh, in other countries, but still there is sign that it's growing. Hmm? These are people actually cohabiting. It's not people who have ever had cohabitation. And so if the experience with cohabitation is shorter lived, uh, so here you see, you see that, for example, in France here, 25% uh, of the couples are registered as being of the couples, not of the, indi of, uh, of the individuals in the population, are um, cohabiting. This is, doesn't necessarily tell anything about how people have been cohabiting, because you might have cohabited in the past, and then the relationship might, might have dissolved or might have uh, converted into a marriage. Hmm? So, in fact, if we look at France, okay, the proportion of people who had experienced, this is data from the European Social Survey 2006, which I'm going to use also next. Uh, this is uh, asking people whether they have uh, never had experience with neither cohabitation or marriage, whether they had experience with marriage uh, without previous cohabitation, whether they were, they were cohabiting without ever being married, and whether they, they had experience with both cohabitation and marriage. So they are married with a former cohabitation at some point. Not necessarily the same marital relationship. Hmm? So, and here you see that uh, there is a difference between countries and, in fact, the average length of the cohabitation relationship reflects on how many they are registered in each country at any point in time. The longer the last, uh, the more likely that, uh, that they are captured at any point in time and also the more likely that uh, they are registered in a high proportion. But there are also countries like, um, okay, here you see the Estonia, how exceptional it is to the other Eastern countries. So it looks like that in Estonia there is a high take-up of cohabitation with respect to the other countries. Okay. Here you see, for example, in Switzerland, the, the proportion of people registered as cohabiting is very low as compared to others, but the people cohabiting is, uh, is having ever cohabit is quite high, and that's what we will see in a moment has to do with the fact that tend to be very short. They are premarital pre sort of relationship that as soon as, as children are born or even before are, are converted into marriage. Okay, uh, some of the indicators that have been used in the literature to explore uh, the diffusion process of cohabitation had to do with proxies linked to uh, um, the number of extramarital births and the association to, the, to divorce rates and so. And uh, uh, something that distinguishes cohabitation from one country to the other is whether it's premarital cohabitation or postmarital cohabitation, especially in countries like Italy, for example, but other countries where it takes very long before you are entitled to marry after you had a... Uh, uh, you applied for a separation first. It's a two-step process. You, you need to get a separation first and then a divorce. And this takes uh, um, at least a minimum length of three years, which is on average five years, before you can ever uh, get married again. Uh, so many, and also there are good reasons to enter post-marital cohabitation rather than pre-marital that have to do with inheritance rights and also granting uh, the, the children which you might have had from a previous relationship, also the entitlements to the other partner. So um, in some countries you get responsibility of alimony to the other person if you marry and, and, uh, and so forth. So 
this is the relationship between the proportion of, cohabit uh, of cohabiting person in, in a country and the proportion of uh, post-marital cohabitation, huh, between the cohabitation registered. So we see that generally there is a trend. Huh, the higher the proportion of cohabiting couples, the lower is uh, the, um, the proportion of post-marital cohabitation, which means that cohabitation is developing mostly among young people as premarital pre option. So it's becoming more like a substitution of marriage, sort of, or, or, or a trial relationship, instead of the possibility to live together without being married after a divorce. Uh, exception are Ireland and Spain, where it seems like growing among the, the youngest uh, part of the population, um, uh, despite being uh, still very low. Because theorists would suggest that uh, it, it started among uh, postmarital cohabitation uh, and the primar as, uh, between premarital cohabitants, mm, it just kind of, when it took off, became really an accepted choice for young people to, as an alternative relationship. Okay. Uh, okay, here are the Eastern countries where you see, and, and Greece. Mm, uh, Italy was not in the data set, but it probably would score here, around the 50% of uh, postmarital cohabitation. So here is still very, very little going on in terms of uh, proportion of cohabiting relationship and a lot of uh, premarital. Here is another, the the, 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 um, among young people, these are other background to, to show how different uh, institution, uh, the, the, the country, the spread, uh, the rate of cohabitation is between countries. Uh, here you see the percentage of cohabiting people in, among the, the young, 26 to 35 years of age, and here you see the proportion who have kids living in the household uh, among the married couples and among uh, the cohabiting couples in the different countries. And first of all, we see, okay, like Estonia among the eastern countries is the country associated with a lot of, uh, of uh, extramarital birth or childbearing. Hmm? In Estonia, there's a lot of young people, so it's actually extramarital birth. Um, in Spain, you see that uh, this is one of the, of the lowest proportion in this young age, to have children, even among married, and this has to do with the different dynamics, has to do with the fact that uh, across courts, birth courts, there was a postponement of family formation, so that actually Span Spaniards come as much as uh, Italian, come much later to family formation, and they, ca they come out uh, later of the parental uh, home, the bambocioni things, and um, and that's because of institutional constraint, housing market, there is no welfare, uh, there is no unemployment, little unemployment benefits and so. And so they tend to fem form family later and have kids w uh, within marriage later. Hmm? That's why it's lower. Uh, but it's important to notice hmm, how in certain countries like Spain, uh, Switzerland and Germany, it looks like that uh, cohabitation is uh, more uh, associated with uh, a phase of the life when it's premarital with, uh, among young, when children are not there. When children are there, it's very likely that he's converted into a marriage. So it's, uh, it's unlikely to find children there. In other countries, this is not the case. In this uh, eastern country, Poland, uh, Slovak, Portugal, Hungary, and Czech Republic are the one we saw in the previous picture in the box, are the one associated with higher rate of postmarital cohabitation. And so here children are registered mainly because, in the cohabitation, mainly because it's second relationship and there might be uh, very likely children from previous relationship. Okay, so these are the difference. Um, 
difference across country, which have to do in practice of type of cohabitation. Is it premarital, postmarital? Generally, they have higher disruption rates and a different, uh, shorter average duration. They have a different likelihood to be converted into marriage. Uh, there, is, uh, there is a different association with uh, child-bearing and child-rearing. You saw in certain countries more likely that child-rearing takes place from previous relationship, which makes very interesting uh, for me now to study a reconstituted family and how cohabitation is an emerging family form for reconstituted family and what does this imply in terms of social stratification and opportunities for children and blah, blah. Um, and then, okay, there, there were several arguments about whether there is a self-selection of cohabitors, and the theory suggests that yes, in the initial phase, there is a self-selection, there are those most motivated who enter cohabitation, and as long as it becomes a, a, a accepted widespread practice, the selection uh, lowers, because it's more, you need not necessarily to have a good reason to enter cohabitation when it becomes much more like marriage. The institutional context differ, uh, and so today, I actually prepared uh, some things to show you on the degree of acceptance of cohabitation, how it is linked with all this uh, background picture, which is a work that is pretty much underway, and, uh, and then uh, another work on gender specialization, and that's, uh, this we will see in a moment, and this is uh, on time use, and whether uh, cohabiting a married couple differ in the time use, and whether there is a different gender specialization in different type of couple. This is a comparative study um, of uh, uh, the US, uh, France, and uh, Italy uh, with time use data. And this other one is the one uh, Michael was mentioning. I don't think we will get there in time. Uh, and, uh, and this is a, instead a, a multi-level analysis of the um, frequencies of phone calls and visits to their own adult parents living elsewhere by married and couple relationship in which uh, we studied uh, in a comparative work in between Italy and the UK whether the frequency of visits and phone calls change in Italy and the UK related to the degree of uh, practice of cohabitation. And there we found out that uh, in fact Italian are more selected uh, than the UK, the cohabitants because it's still very few who do cohabit and they are selective in a way that women tend to be more, uh, are more likely to be working. The cohabiting couples are concentrated in the north. There is very much of a geographical concentration that we don't register in the UK. Uh, there, is a, um, there is a surprisingly not much of a difference in this uh, age range because these are older couples because they have living parents elsewhere uh, within the restricting younger couples. But, um, uh, there is less of a difference than we would have expected between Italy and, and, and uh, UK between uh, premarital and postmarital cohabitation, but this doesn't have an effect on intergenerational relationship. And what we found out is that, in fact, there is not not a big difference in Italy and the UK in between the frequencies and visits uh, of visits and phone calls to your own parents, depending on the relationship you are into. So although in descriptives it looks like that in Italy if you cohabit you are less likely, likely to visit and, and uh, phone, in, uh, what seems to be happening is that this is a very much a compositional effect because uh, uh, co cohabitation is so concentrated in those uh, uh, characteristics of families uh, that are also less, uh, they are also among the married ones less likely to visit. But there is no big difference. Okay, something about uh, the, 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 spread, uh, the, the spread of cohabitation, the differences across countries. 
the speed and the depth of the tra transformation we saw differs across country over time. And the explanation that have been given uh, um, in, uh, identified stages hmm, in the diffusion process, let's say, and uh, these are the two most famous typologies, that of Prince and that of Kiernan, and both basically have to do with the idea that over time there is an increasing social acceptance that Kiernan measures through indicators of uh, childbearing outside marriage and growing rates of cohabitation. And uh, she identifies four stages. The one is cohabitation is rare. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, cohabitation is still rare, like in Southern uh, Europe, practiced practic practic by a minority with good reasons to do it. Uh, then there is a second phase, accepted as a prelude to marriage. And uh, when children are there, uh, they, they are converted. We saw Switzerland, we saw um, other countries before, that then is converted when children are there. And then it becomes more spread and is an accepted alternative to marriage even when children are involved. And it becomes, like in Sweden and Denmark, normatively much like marriage. And uh, Prince does a similar type of uh, distinction between countries based on uh, the different in, uh, differences in age group. But as, as we saw, this doesn't quite apply very well to, to uh, all European countries because there is a difference in the tempo in which family formation takes place, especially in most recent courts. Okay, so I, I was trying to toggle a bit of the issue of social approval, which I also, in my own research, the other one, I did assume to be linked to the practice, directly linked to the practice, through the ESS data. Because in round three, the, the question, a uh, direct question about their own social uh, own individual approval of cohabitation, or disapproval of cohabitation, and other behaviors, family behaviors, and uh, um, on, on how they thought that uh, the society did approve prove or not. So um, the, questions, oh, the questions were, do you approve or disapprove if a woman or a man, there was a ballot sampling, so half of the people were questioned about a man and half of the women, uh, lives with a partner without being married to him or her, uh, apart from your own feelings, uh, this is, and there were other family behaviors, like uh, get a divorce when uh, it becomes ch uh, childless and, and so forth. And apart from your own feelings, how do you think most people would react if a woman or man they knew well did uh, live together without being married? These were the type of uh, answers possible. They, they deferred, the coding deferred across uh, uh, um, answers. So what I did is to recode them like in these traffic light uh, settings which is not identical, but is very much alike. So there is an approval category, uh, neither nor, hmm, indifference sort of category. And then there is a, um, an approval category, basically, in both of them. So I, I actually analyze them as three categories hmm, to compare what was the, the, the difference in between individual approval and, and societal approval. Okay, what, what I tried to do was to compare across countries, the one in the field in the ESS, what explained different in attitudes, comparing individual and societal attitudes. So in every country, we had different proportion of people maybe being very disapproving, but feeling that they were in a country that instead approved very well, let's say the very conservative in Sweden, or we could have the very progressive in Italy or in Spain. So they, they were very approving, but feeling that the society did disapprove, which was what the theory of diffusion would suggest, that the initiator... Um, 
okay, we would expect different proportion of those depending how strict is the, the context. But we would expect the perception of the people to reflect the degree of, uh, of easiness to cohabit and legitimization of the, of the practice in the country. Then I try, oops, I try to study the accordance and discordance in between uh, attitudes held by the, the respondents and towards men and women, whether there was any difference of uh, uh, men and women respondents and towards women, men and women cohabiting, um, whether uh, there were different characteristics associated with different uh, evaluative framework across societies. Hmm? Does the country context matter, and is there correspondence with the typology of Kiernan and Prince? So this is the first uh, uh, descriptive. Uh, the difference between individual and societal opinion. So the red, the dark red, is uh, this first on the left is always individual opinion. The one on the right is uh, societal mm, perception. So the first category is an individual who, who himself disapproves but thinks to be in a society that instead approves the behavior. Mm? And here you see that in Denmark is, is really few um, and uh, in uh, Slovak, for, for example, uh, are, are much higher. Hmm? And here you have the range of indifference. Hmm? So you have questions? Which country is UA? Uh, um, Ukraine. Okay. Ukraine. Uh, yeah, it's very, still, still very disapproving of cohabitation in very, very low rates, in fact. Um, okay, so, and then we have the range, uh, the, the range of indifference, and here you see that especially in Estonia, there is a, 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 a huge, uh, huge uh, indifference in the UK and in Germany. There is a very high degree of indifference, whereas in Denmark or in Sweden, there is much more of an approval in Norway and Finland. Uh, the Netherlands and Belgium, here the range of approval is much higher in general. And then we have ser several countries in which it looks like there is a much more indifferent or no value or hmm, uh, set of uh, perceptions or declared perception hmm, from the respondents. Okay. Um, the questions, uh, okay, this is uh, related to uh, cohabitation. Hmm? In, in the analysis, Poland will be, will be um, in the multinomial analysis, Poland will be the reference hmm, category to which uh, the other are contrasted. Hmm? So this is, will be the, the contrast. Oh, okay. Okay, this is the, the, another slide to show that uh, the, the opinion towards cohabitation is not necessarily coincident with, the, with the, that of having children within a cohabiting relationship. So you see, for example, the, the, the Swiss were much more in favor of cohabiting, much less to have children within a cohabiting relationship, which reflects more or less what we have seen before. So the countries tend to group more or less where they were before, but not exactly, depending on whether children are involved or not in the, in the cohabiting relationship. Okay. So this is, these are the data, uh, all individual multinomial logic models, and uh, uh, up to this stage I, I model all the country jointly, predicting the combination of individual and societal approval. Hmm? So these are the categories where the individual disapproves and, and finds himself in a society which might do the three things, 
either approved, disapproved, or indifferent. This is the individual indifference, orange, in a society that could be doing all, all the other things to the perception. And, uh, and this is an individual that, that approves himself but f feels a bit constrained, so it's a progressive sort of individual that either feels himself in a society that corresponds to his own perception, a, a, a liberal, but, um, but uh, is more conservative environment. So if he would to cohabit, he would do it in a society that kind of doesn't support his or her choice hmm, normatively, uh, but personally approves. The controls in the analysis are sex, uh, ballot, it means whether they were asked about women or men, age, uh, age square, religiosity, marital status, ever had children, children in living in the household, educational level and employment status, and country of residence. Okay, so for, first some descriptives. And here are, are the, 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 the responses. In Denmark, as an example, in the UK, in Spain, and in Poland. The first, first four bar in, on the top uh, reflect the proportion of people who are in the three categories, macro categories, hmm, uh, which I just shown. And the four bottom one are the personal. Uh, this is the societal opinion, and this is the personal opinion, individual opinion. This is the, the perception of the society. And you see in all four cases, hmm, but across countries the same everywhere, People tend to report a more permissive, uh, on average, a more per permissive own opinion than that held by the society. Okay, so this is the average, hmm? uh, no, this is the, the rate of people, the, percent, uh, yeah, the percentage of people who are in this category uh, with respect to the question do you think that the, at the societal level, a man or a woman, uh, there is approval or disapproval of a man or a woman living together? So what do you think that the society helps? Uh, and this is the same uh, um, rates, but the respondents were asked about uh, their own opinion. And this is the ballot. So men ask about men, men about women, women about men, and women about women. So there is not very much difference across neither, neither uh, sexes, nor is it about women and men. So these four bars, they don't differ very much between one and the other. But on average, people tend to be more negative. 100% of the respondents. So what's the difference between the top row and the second row? I think Wing can't read the labels on. Okay, this is societal. This is men about men, men about women, women about men. Sorry, are very small, and uh, women about women. This is divided by ballot and sex and sex. So there is not very much difference if you ask uh, men or women, and if you ask uh, about men or about women, the opinion. Okay, across the countries. Uh, but there is a difference if you ask uh, what's, what you think that the society helps and what you think, that, uh, what you put yourself held. So in, in Denmark, most of the people are positive about it, approve, but a good proportion of them think that the society is indifferent to the behavior, for example. Is it clear? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, in Poland, it's, it's much more negative, but what they think that the society helps is even more, neg is more disapproving of what, um, uh, of the rate of people who do disapprove themselves, the behavior. Mm -hmm. 
And this happens across all the country, regardless of the level of approval, which was kind of a, I mean, Denmark is only indifferent, is not, uh, is not uh, disapproval, but still was kind of a striking uh, uh, findings. Mm -hmm. Are there other questions? And, and yeah, and also in Spain, this is true also in Spain, mm -hmm. there is much higher perception of indifference at a societal level, but also of uh, disapproval than actually are, would, would look like if interviewing people about what they held themselves. So this is the, the assumption that uh, the behavior, what you see being done, actually reflects either your own opinion or, uh, or a, a is a good indicator of uh, what you might perceive as the legitimacy of a practice is a question. It needs not to be that it's not, it doesn't help, but it's questioned. Okay, so these are some of the results. Uh, approval, approval is the reference category. Anything else, uh, so this indicates a higher likelihood and this indicates a lower uh, likelihood. This, uh, these are uh, logic coefficient. And these are men respondents. Uh, so if uh, men in contrast to women, hmm, respondent. So what is the opinion held by men with respect to women? And men tend to be more, a, a little more, uh, on the negative side hmm, of uh, approving cohabitation than women are generally. Because uh, either because uh, they, they perceive that the society is more likely to disapprove or because they themselves are, yeah, they themselves are, are uh, less likely to find approval hmm, in both uh, personal and societal level. So generally what we can say is that um, men tend to be more uh, perceiving less... Uh, less approving both societal and individual of cohabitation than women. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is the macro category of approval, as we saw before, and the uh, and, uh, indifference and disapproval. Okay. And this, again, is reference to approval, approval, which is the, mm, how can I say, the most approving category hmm, in the scale. Uh, and this is, ask, uh, is, this is the ballot instead. Let's ask about men or ask about women. In this case, ask about women. So if at all, it doesn't seem to be very much of a difference. If at all, uh, there is less, uh, less of a restraint uh, in, in, uh, in, um, in the perception of the legitimacy of cohabitation for women than for men. Hmm? Because it's le less likely that they are in any of these categories than they are in approval, approval. So it's more likely to be here for women than, than it is for men. This is a religiosity, and that's what we would expect. The more religious you are, the, the more likely that you tend to be disapproving yourself or perceive that the society disapproves, disapproving in a society that you perceive disapproves, or, in a society, or being very religious, even in more liberal society that you, you yourself held uh, disapproval of cohabitation. Uh, and this is marital status, and as we would expect, uh, I, I didn't clear up in the hypothesis, sorry, I forgot uh, to spell out the hypothesis with respect to, to all these uh, <laughs> variables uh, I was testing. Uh, we would expect that people who have cohabit themselves or, or, or who are cohabiting are more approving of the behavior because they've chosen it. Here we don't make a, a, I wouldn't make a, a causal statement because they end up cohabiting because they approved more or because through cohabitation they, they made a more positive uh, um, opinion. The thing is that with cohabitation is that these two people who have to negotiate with relationship to enter, 
and they might end up cohabiting even if one of the two wanted to marry, if the other one was not uh, willing or able after a divorce, for example. So um, not necessarily the people who are cohabiting, uh, are they who chose exactly the form of the relationship, though we can expect that if they end up cohabiting rather than quit the relationship of live apart or, 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 or postpone a marriage or whatever, they uh, kind of accept it in the end, or they really want it. But we can distinguish whether they both co coincide in their opinion and they ended up in the relationship or they kind of put up with uh, what was offered. Um, but those who have ever cohabit or who are cohabiting are much less likely to be fined in the disapproval category than in the approval uh, ca category. Yes, they should be. Someone who's now married might... Ah, no, 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 this is, this is now married, now cohabits, yeah. as, a, as a ever cohabit and the single uh, ever cohabit being married now. Hmm? This is now married without ever being cohabit. Oh, okay. Now, sorry, it's just short uh, in the graph, but this is uh, now cohabit um, uh, without being married, uh, ever cohabit, oops, uh, ever cohabit, and single, ne never in a marriage nor in a, co in a cohabitation. Single without having a, a relationship. Okay. Yes, I should have put them longer, but then I didn't have space enough. Um, okay, and these are the country effects. And here you see that as ref as, uh, with the reference to Poland, uh, Scandinavian countries, are all, across, all of them across the board, they are more accepting of cohabitation, as we would have expected, all of them, uh, including Belgium and the Netherlands, which are not in among the Scandinavian ones, but they one, are the ones who are uh, most, most, uh, most closely uh, in levels of cohabitation to, to the Nordic countries. And they, they seem to behave very much the same, so they are much more approving. Uh, these are the eastern countries, uh, and here you see, and this is quite a striking result, which I think should be inspected more closely, because Estonia was uh, the one that was really coming out of the eastern countries as the one with the highest rate of cohabitation, which is almost catching up France, is really like, uh, or Belgium is really uh, uh, increasing the rate of, especially premarital cohabitation, is associated with uh, childbearing, extramarital birth, and still, is, uh, is there is a, a lot of indifference to cohabitation uh, instead of an open approval approval as we would have expected from theory, from the diffusion theory uh, uh, would predict. So Estonia is a very interesting case in this respect. Hmm? You, uh, okay, uh, generally, the, uh, okay, these are the other Eastern countries as referred to, to Poland, and Poland was one of the one with the lowest uh, rates together with um, with Ukraine, so uh, this also. There is a larger degree of indifference and somewhat disappro uh, disapproval in, in, a, in different health society. Hmm? Okay, uh, and this is the, the conservative uh, countries. So the, the southern is not, is not southern because there is Ireland and, and Slovenia, but uh, those with the, with the welfare system and so that is more closely uh, opposing cohabitation because there is no acknowledgement of cohabitation as a legitimate relationship and there is also an institutional setting that is not favoring uh, the uh, an acknowledgement of the entitlements of not married partners like to adoption, to inheritance, to alimony, to many things. 
Uh, and so here uh, it, it is, as we would expect, less, uh, less of approval. Okay. Continental uh, society, hmm? and here, uh, here we find less, less of a disapproval than it is in Poland, uh, and, and more of an open approval, and somewhat more indifference. Hmm? Okay, conclusion. Uh, elsewhere, cohabitation is more accepted at the individual level than it is at the, the, the perception about the societal acceptance. Hmm? This is something that in psychology is acknowledged, not uh, with reference to cohabitation, but to other phenomena. Uh, so people being more negative uh, towards the, the perception of the societal level. Uh, men, well, oops, men are less in favor of cohabitation and somewhat more accepting uh, about women cohabiting. Religiosity is a strong predictor of uh, attitudes toward, toward cohabitation and experience does matter. This does, we, we don't say that, uh, you know, that this cohabiting caused necessarily a, a better relation, a better held view. Uh, there, are, uh, there are clear country differences, but they are not, they're not necessarily coincident, although in many cases, but not quite coincident with what we would expect from, uh, from the typologies and from diffusion theory as well. So there is more, there is more to see there. Educational level and employment situation didn't seem to have any clear effect instead, so I haven't shown you. Uh, do I still have some more time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I would want to leave maybe 15 or 20 minutes for, for questions, but we've still got some 20 segments. Okay. Yeah. okay, so then I'm going to show you something else uh, about cohabitation because this was the part more on attitudes, and then there is a part more on behavior, and it is to do, do cohabiting a relationship differ from marital relationship? And this is another piece of work on, on time use and the gender specialization within relationships. And that's a, a comparison of three countries, <laughs> as I was telling you before. And uh, typically, the gender specialization goes in the sense that men do more of a paid work and women more than of the unpaid work. But this might be a dangerous or risky enterprise, especially for women in case of disruption. And we know that cohabiting relationships are more likely to be disrupted uh, than uh, marriage are. Hmm? They also imply less of a legal commitment and less of a joint investment. Uh, willingness to specialize should vary with the expected duration of the relationship, with the protections for the individual who specialize, so for, for the women uh, for in unpaid work. And, uh, and marriage and cohabitation might also differ in factors that affect the willingness to specialize. So as we saw from other uh, things that I was mentioning, women tend to um, uh, work more uh, in a cohabiting relationship. And we cannot necessarily tell that it's working women who tend to prefer cohabitation, which some theory says, or whether it is that cohabiting makes you more likely to work because you want to be protected. Hmm? Differences in specialization are greater in contexts where riskiness of cohabitation relative to marriage is greater. So we would expect that uh, uh, specialization is, uh, is uh, greater in Italy than it is, uh, uh, sorry, um, yeah, is greater in Italy than it is in France, for example, because in France, cohabitation and marriage are, are becoming more alike. Hmm? And so there is no selection in people who choose them. Uh, whereas in Italy, where it's very much risky because it's not acknowledged. In, in France, you have inheritance right after a certain time you live together, even though you don't register the relationship. Mm? Uh, and there are also there are the PACs, so which you, you can, for example, um, recognize um, legally, make, make, it, uh, make uh, the entitlements even stronger, uh, although it's not as strong as marriage. 
Uh, but you, are, you also have the right, for example, of occupying the dwelling in case of death of, of your partner. So you have a certain of uh, legal protection. So where the, um, the um, where the, the cohabitation is more risky, uh, is more different to marriage, then you would expect uh, uh, more spe uh, less specialization. So more difference between cohabiting and married. <coughs> so France uh, is a uh, recognized legally since 1999. Um, the, the, the data on, uh, on France and Italy are a bit older than the one from uh, the U.S., uh, but there is now a new, a new round of data available, both for France and Italy, so we are going to rerun this uh, on the newly uh, available data. Um, and, and there is also the option of, of acknowledge cohabitation through the PACs, uh, the PACs of, of uh, cohabiting couples. There is a fiscal incentive not to marry, uh, to have higher, higher entitlement to child benefits. Cohabitation in Italy is not recognized at all. Uh, there were several attempts to go through, discuss through the parliament, but they, they didn't go through. So effectively are unrelated people. They have no kind of entitlement nor obligation to each other. It's rare still, very, it's not very widespread, as in unequally distributed geographically as, uh, and also across strata of the population, as uh, I was mentioning. And is uh, uh, a higher proportion is post-marital. Than, than uh, in other countries. Although premarital is still the big bunch everywhere, but in Italy, relative to other countries, there is more postmarital. In the USA, there is a huge difference in between uh, uh, states with respect to both the acknowledgement and the spread. But uh, something that we will see in a moment is that in the U US, it's very segmented. Who cohabits uh, and who marries? So upper classes or uh, highly educated people tend more likely to marry than to cohabit. And uh, lower educated people are uh, relatively uh, easier to find among cohabiting uh, relationship than to married one, um, which gets closer to Oppenheimer's argument uh, that cohabitation in the U.S. is a, is a, a trial period until you prove your market uh, chances. Um, so the hypothesis is that cohabiting women do more market work than married women because they have more incentive to, to uh, not to specialize hmm, because they have less secured position within the relationship. And cohabiting uh, women would do less uh, non-market wor work than married because they are more employed in, uh, and they have more equal, gender equal relationship. Cohabiting men do less market work than married, uh, that's, the con that's the opposite, and would do more housework, more non-market work, non-paid work. And then with respect to cross-country comparison, we would expect this to be more in countries that have the highest distinction between married and cohabitation, so Italy, and less in France, hmm, where they are more alike, uh, than it is in the U.S. Hmm. Um, okay. The data, so we use the time use for uh, USA, France, and Italy, and these are the, the waves, and these are the ones that, uh, that uh, we plan to use uh, for rerunning the analysis and check whether the results hold. And we hope uh, to have more cohabiting couples uh, uh, in Italy now, in the second wave, because we know that among younger courts, cohabitation has grown, even in Italy. So we have uh, ordinarily square regression on, uh, on uh, the number of minutes, spend in each of these activities, and, uh, and we have a logic regression of whether they are in paid employment or not. Mm -hmm. So uh, is uh, women uh, work more? Does it mean 
Are they more likely to be employed or do they work longer when they are employed? Uh, so these are the for, for analysis. Some descriptives. And here to say that the percentage of cohabiting women found in the samples are very different. So we have a much higher proportion that we saw as before in the graph in the time series as well in France than it is in Italy and the U.S. is in the middle. Uh, we also have a, a difference in between cohabiting. This is the total. This is cohabiting married. This is France, Italy, and the United States. So we have a, a, a higher difference in, uh, in mean age hmm, uh, with married being a bit uh, older hmm, across countries. Married people tend to be older, so, but that's because cohabitation is still, uh, for a big chunk, for a big part, uh, a premarital young uh, relationship. Uh, an interesting thing is that in the U.S., what I was mentioning before, is highly stratified cohabitation and tends to concentrate among uh, less uh, educated. So there is, there is uh, also a proportion of college graduates, but uh, they tend to marry more than, uh, than it is among lower educated. Uh, with respect to children, as we could imagine, uh, as we saw before as well, cohabiting relationships are less likely to have uh, children. Hmm? But children here, we, uh, we intend, uh, I think, 16 or less. or oh, 18 or less, sorry. And, uh, and, uh, and here about employment. And this is uh, the, the, the percentage of employed ones. Hmm? Uh, and among men and among women. And here we see that there is a difference, especially in Italy. There is, there is a, a difference in between uh, cohabiting and the married ones. Hmm? Not as much among men, but among women. Hmm? So, and this is, a, this is a data that still holds true. Half of the Italian women uh, are, are not in the labor force. Hmm? The, uh, the unemployment is also higher, hmm? but uh, they're relative to other countries. But still, there seems to be uh, an incentive either for work, working women to cohabit or for cohabiting women to work. Okay, so um, this, is, uh, the, the, this is just the, the same uh, oh, this is just the same figure, but uh, relative to uh, the, the labor working status of the partner. Okay. And this is just, just uh, look at the first two bars because the other three in, in uh, uh, red, uh, orange, and yellow are just uh, the decomposition of this uh, uh, one that is uh, not pay, unpaid work. And this is the type of unpaid. It's childcare, household, shopkeeping, but it's just the sum of this bar. So the first one is paid employment and unpaid employment, basically, the first two. And this is cohabiting a married partner. And so we see that uh, co cohabiting everywhere... Uh, Okay, here. Among men, cohabiting one tend to do a bit less than married one in, uh, in paid work. Uh, but uh, women tend to do quite a bit less in unpaid work. Uh, cohabiting one with respect to married one. Hmm? Please. So retired people, they're in your sample, right? Uh, we took away. We restricted, I think, uh, 18 to 64, 5. I uh, was in the data. Slide, sorry, I'm, I forgot to mention, thank you. We restricted the sample hmm? uh, to couples in, in 18 to probably 65, if I'm not wrong, or 64. Okay, so, um, okay, this is the ratio in between uh, men and women 
of the weighted means of partners' minutes per day. So if it's one, it's equally distributed, one-to-one, -one, whatever the minutes are. If it's over one, is the, women, uh, is the men uh, doing more? And if it's uh, below one, is the women doing more? And here you see that everywhere, uh, men tend to be more employ more spending their time more in employment, uh, paid employment than women are, and this is especially among married men in Italy. And, and cohabiting with respect to, to, to men, uh, to, to married, are less unequal in their share of paid employment uh, contribution in terms of time. Okay, these are the results, the same logic as before, shown uh, for the logic of uh, uh, the likelihood to be employed. Hmm? This is for women, and here, okay, this is what we would uh, expect. Uh, um, uh, this is a positive effect, and this is a negative effect. Uh, college graduate women, uh, they are not directly comparable to each other because there are three different logic models. They are just here for easiness of display that they are put in the same graph, but they are not uh, in magnitude. The coefficients are not comparable because they are logit models, but, uh, but uh, they are positive, eff uh, positive effects uh, of... of uh, of um, um, having a higher degree rather than having a lower degree uh, of education. And cohabiting seems to favor the participation of Italian, as, as we would have expected, of Italian uh, women into the labor force. And somewhat to the U.S. women, although it's not very clear because it's only 10% significance level, so... Um, and this is how we would expect. It's less likely to be found in employment if they have um, two or more children, but also if they have one children rather than, uh, than no children. Okay, and uh, this is men, and here we see that instead, for men, it, it works the, the opposite in old countries, so if they are cohabiting, they are less likely, a bit less likely to be found in, uh, in um, employment. Hmm? And children seem not to matter so much for men. And if at all, they increase the likelihood to be working, um, which is something we would know from the literature already. Uh, uh, okay, but the, the, what we are really interesting, this is, uh, this is uh, the usual suspect and they behave as we would expect, but it's the cohabiting one that is interesting in this uh, case. And, uh, and this is uh, the minutes in paid employment for those women who are working, so the subset of women who are working. And here it looks like that, okay, if you have a ch a children, it's a burden, but the thing is that if there is an effect, it's an effect in the minutes and it's very, very uh, small, and only in Italy. So what really matters, uh, if it, there is an effect, which seems to be an effect of, uh, of working, is about the participation in employment, is not how long you work. Hmm? The married to the cohabiting. Hmm? Uh, and that's the man. Hmm? So uh, again, for men, there is an effect uh, on being less likely to work, and if you work uh, a, a shorter hours, for in the U.S. and France, but again, it's not, uh, it's not uh, that big, but still, it's uh, significant. It is in France, it's 10%. Uh, and this is not, uh, not uh, unpaid work. Are we there? Almost finished. Well, I can also skip those. Okay, so, but this, these are just the results, and, and uh, so men, non-unpaid work, they do less. Hmm? Women, they do less in Italy and France of unpaid work. Uh, and cohabiting uh, men seems to do a bit more only in the U.S. 
So this, this is the final one, and so these are the summary of the results, basically, and this with respect to the, to the hypothesis and what we found out in the results. So in France, there seems not to be a, a difference for cohabiting women to married one. In Italy, there seems to be an effect, but it has only to do with the participation in employment, not with how long they work, uh, if they work, provided they enter. In the U.S., the same. Mm -hmm. uh, Cohabiting women, uh, there seems to be a difference uh, in doing less market work in France and Italy and not in the U.S. And for men, yes, uh, they do less market work. Um, and uh, and uh, do more non-market work only in the U.S. Hmm? So with respect to the, to the original hypothesis, uh, Cohabitation individuals are much more similar to married one in France because cohabitation is more spread, individuals are less selected, they are more alike. Uh, yes, but also in the USA. Cohabitation are most distinct from married uh, individuals in Italy. Yes, they seem to be. And there is more incentive to, to, to not to specialize. And the U.S. will be in, in the intermediate. Uh, in this respect, it is difficult to place it with respect to France, but there is also a high degree of heterogeneity. Okay, thank you. Great. So seeing that we have two for the price of one, I'm sure there will be double as, twice as many questions. <laughs> yes, Steve. Uh, thank you. Um, enjoyed that. Um, I've got a couple of questions. Um, so on this one, um, maybe I missed it, but are your married people people who may have previously cohabited? And uh, have you thought about the, the potential that some married people who previously cohabited develop their habits in terms of division of non-market work and, and, uh, and patterns of labour market work while they were cohabiting okay. and just kept that pattern of, of work while they're married. Okay, uh, thank you for the question. Um, yes, we thought about it, but we didn't have enough cohabiting uh, people in the sample to uh, distinguish in between those uh, who were pre-cohabiting -co um, co in, in, uh, either in this relationship or in other relationship before, but in, your question relates to this relationship. Um, the thing being that also Jay's work uh, shows that it's very slow to change uh, uh, over time the division of labor uh, between the partners. Uh, with the duration of the relationship, what the literature shows is that it's mainly children, the arrival of children, that trigger a more traditional division of labor, which is something that we also found. I haven't shown, but this uh, with child care. We have all, also analysis on child care. Uh, having children makes the division of labor much more alike also between cohabiting and, and married couples. So that's really what triggers uh, more traditional division of labor in both. So it, I would say it's not so much whether um, we couldn't test directly, but from other literature and from what we saw in the data, it's much more likely that uh, uh, regardless whether you are cohabiting or you have been previously cohabiting and mar now married, what really makes a difference, and it is in the opposite direction, it is whether you have kids. Because then you really specialize, looks like. Have I answered you? Yeah. Um, can I ask another? Sure. sure. Um, can you show the slide that Wing was asking about? Sorry, it's a long way back. No, no, no. Um, we... I'll start talking while we do it. The thing that I um, um, was intrigued by is, is what is really the difference between approving and neither approving or disapproving 
Um, and it seems pretty clear to me what, what it means. Well, I say I disapprove, or I think people in society disapprove. But it's not, I mean, when I hear that some couple that I've never heard of uh, are together cohabiting, and then I don't know whether to, what it means to actually approve or just be indifferent towards that. Um, well, it, I mean, it's, on one level, it seems quite basically an emotional thing. If you look on that slide, but the difference between Denmark and the <coughs> Denmark and the UK, yeah. yeah. Top, top two blocks. Yeah. yeah. So, and there is some difference on different disapproval. Yeah. Um, so there's much more disapproval in the UK, uh, across the board. Um, but if you look just at the colours, it looks like the main difference is between approval and disapproval, and, and indifference. And, and that's obviously a big difference in terms of the colours, but is it really a big substantive difference? And do we understand that might be just a sort of cultural thing about the way the question works. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I could... Yeah. Can I just... No, you yeah. can. Because I had, a, I had a, exactly the same... Exactly the same thing. I wondered if you could go back to the... Where you showed the categories of the questions themselves. Mm -hmm. Because when you showed that, I found myself wondering... Yeah, the one for the... Um, for the, the societal... Yes, the norms, if you like... Mm -hmm. Most people would approve. I wasn't quite sure what approve would mean in that context. And this is obviously a, a question about the... Question framing, itself, yeah. Uh, the framing of it. Uh, does that mean people would say, oh yes, you know, it would be better for them to cohabit than to be married? And, and I think, you know, there might be that sort of interpretation. And, and in that situation, I would have thought that, that the, the Category 3 response would be... Um, you know, people would go for that one rather than to say, oh yes, we approve of them cohabiting. Um, and that, that might account for some of the difference between the, the personal mm -hmm. assessment and the societal assessment. But it might actually be reflecting something to do with the, the categories of the, okay. um, of, of the, mm -hmm. in the questions themselves. Okay. Because you have on the personal one, you have the approve and strongly approve if they live with a partner. But I, I think there might be a difference in, in interpretation there. And also, you might be less like less kind of keen to. You, if you're talking about somebody else and you don't want to infer their mindset, you might be more likely to pick the middle option as opposed to when you're talking about yourself, where you know either way. Okay. Um, thank you for, for the good um, suggestions. Uh, coming back to Steve's question, uh, there certainly is a, a cultural component in the way uh, questions are answered across countries, oh, across different countries, um, not only in this question, but also in other questions of the battery. This was a battery of question, and we have another piece of work uh, together with uh, Jacqueline O'Reilly and with uh, Jose Manuel Roche, who is also working here, and where we did an analysis of all the questions together to see the family um, uh, value uh, type of typology that was behind uh, people's uh, perception. So this uh, was not only, the question was not only about cohabitation, was also a question about having children uh, without, uh, um, uh, without being married, divorcing with a small child, I think it was below 14, uh, was uh, being childless, and there was another one. Uh, and it was uh, a, 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 for women to work full-time with a child under three. And what we found out is that uh, we did a cluster analysis, and what we found out is that uh, um, 
the family type uh, uh, questions. Uh, both, uh, so it was not a direct comparison of uh, will you marry or will you cohabit because there is another option that has to do with uh, living apart together or staying in your own parents or living a single and still having a sexual relationship if you, if you like. like. It's not necessarily only opposition I'm trying to answer both. Uh, not necessarily people had in mind, would you cohabit or not? In the set of questions that were asked to together, the block of individual questions and the block on the societal opinion, there were other elements of family relationship that had to do with divorce, had to do with childbearing uh, and, and employment. And if you analyze them together, the only one that behaves differently uh, the, uh, is the one on employment. The one on the family behavior that has to do with cohabitation, children, and uh, divorce, and childlessness, they, they, they very much uh, measure a similar trait. Um, and they differ across countries. With uh, Britain, for example, um, having a much higher rate of indifference than other countries, Britain really stands out. So yes, there are um, country differences. They are not only related to this item. And uh, not necessarily they had in mind for the way the questionnaire was framed, cohabitation and marriage, although some might have thought that. Um, so it's a good suggestion. There is nothing we can do with the questionnaire, but we can be more cautious in, uh, with the data. Thank you. Right, we've got four uh, questions, so quick, uh, please. Jo uh, uh, Jen. Yep, so actually, three observations rather than, please. Rather than questions. Uh, the, first, the, the, the first two relate to Steve's to Steve's question. What you've actually got in most cases is actually a life course process that distinguishes between the cohabitation and the, you know, most, most people, except in the Italian case, which is entirely different, but in the, in the, in the non-Catholic cases, you've got a movement from cohabitation to, um, uh, from cohabitation to marriage. And this obviously has some, has some consequences. And the, the implications that I can see uh, follow that a bit more extreme than Steve. First of all, and this is probably the first time you ever heard me say this, I don't think the time diary data is the right, is the right data to use in this case. <laughs> that actually, I think you'd be better off using the stylized questions in, um, in panel data so that you could actually observe the transitions that Steve, that Steve was talking about. Anyway, that's my first observation. Okay. The second observation is if you do want to do it in with time diary data, there is a way of doing it using the American data. Because the American data, and this isn't, it, it, not many people make use of this, this at the moment, mm. the American data is in fact the ninth wave of a panel study. Okay. The American time use data is, is part of the current population study that goes over an 18-month period, um, and, the, uh, and the diary is the ninth wave in about month 21 or 22. Okay. So, you've got, so you've got actually a span of nearly two years, and you'll be able to spot people who have moved, who have changed their marital status by using information in the early waves and the, okay. um, in the okay. early waves and the late waves. So you ought to be able, actually, to do, to make, you can't go the whole way, you should be able to do something, particularly with a very large sample size, when you get up to mm. the current wave of that data, you've got about 100,000, yeah, you've yeah. got 120,000 cases, which is going to leave, leave, leave you with thousands of cohabitees, yeah. each of whom have a 24-month, 23-month history in that data, and you should be able yeah. to. 
And the best thing would be that, uh, that you have uh, both cohabiting, childless, a part that are childless and married, and part that are uh, child with children and married, or, or with children cohabiting and, with chil and then marrying after their children, because that's exactly what would tell apart the effect of children from the... Tel well, you'll be able to do because with the American time you study, yeah. because they have, because in each of the eight ways, they have a questionnaire about... It had a third point, point yeah. to make, which also about the American, the American yeah. study, which is... The nice thing about America that, that, that we all love is that it's such a homogeneous, culturally homogeneous place, the, the mm -hmm. Louisa, Louisiana, perhaps. Um, but but it's, it's culturally homogeneous, but, but in terms of regulation, it's, it's very, very varied. And the other thing you've got there is a way of, is a way of disentangling what the environmental um, constraints on, on this are, because... Um, because, of course, you've got this vast variation across... Countries. Uh, states. Across states. 51, 51 states. So, so my third observation would be, if you're going to do comparative then, research, do, do comparative research inside the U.S. as, as opposed to across... Europe. Uh, across, uh, across Europe and the, and mm. the U.S. Right. Christian? Um, Thank you. Yeah, I was a bit curious as to the, the, the origins of these... Um, items about when you think about the society, those what, what other people think, because it wasn't quite clear to me what what you were trying to get at um, and, and, and by combining these. So very general question really that I, I can imagine that you you know you want to look at people who are um, who disapprove a lot in a, in a very approving country. But yeah. you, you could, between the individual uh, opinion and their perceived societal opinion was uh, very much to explore whether the, um, the spreading of a behavior, which we cannot account over time here because we only have uh, one year, but uh, the fact that uh, there is a, a wider spread of a behavior in a country goes along with the perception that people have uh, of uh, the legitimacy of the behavior. Which is an assumption that... No, the, no, that's the second question. That's the, what you perceive the society uh, to held. Hmm? Because what, what... Yeah, yes. So what, uh, what mostly is held in the literature, in the, in the, in the works uh, that study the diffusion of cohabitation or the spread of cohabitation is that the actual practice is a good reflection of the norm not of the values, and that the values are informed by the norms. So the values are uh, influenced by the norm, but the level of practice is a, a, good, uh, indicator, a, a good and valid uh, indicator of the norm, <coughs> which doesn't seem to be the case necessarily. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I we can, uh, we've got two hmm. more, Paolo and then Oli. Um, 
just a very short question. Yeah. Uh, it refers to the second part of your presentation. And if I got it right, uh, women in cohabitation, they tend to work more. They're more likely to work. They're more likely to work. Now, we also know that women, <coughs> people tend to cohabit more in the north than in the south. Huh? Yes. And we also know that women in the south tend to work less. Yeah. It's less likely that they, they, they have a paid work. Yeah. So have you controlled? Yes, regional variation, yes. In the Italian analysis, we did, yeah. yes. So this is, controlling for, this is controlling for regional variation, yes. For the regional... Uh, it still holds. Still holds. Still yeah. holds, yes. Actually, we only had uh, three categories. We didn't control for region. We had north, center, and south, yeah. but still uh, holds. It's not a very fine-tuned because we didn't have many cohabiting couples, but, uh, but there is a whole, uh, it holds okay. with three, three partitions. Last question to Wojtek. Sure. Uh, I know Oli has given up. I suppose she's given up. Um, yeah. <laughs> My name is Mark, so I was wondering uh, whether uh, the survey also asked that the people disapprove of marriage couples. No. <laughs> Yes. Sometimes marrying uh, expresses certain values which might uh, be quite conservative. Reflective, uh -huh. so attitudes which might be Okay, no, not, no. And the other thing is, um, so you ask people whether what their beliefs are about privileges, uh, disapprovals of others. Do you also, also ask them what they believe the actual rate? No, that was not asked. This was not asked because this would have been perfect for us to see, to actually to, to detect more straightforwardly whether there was a, a fair perception, but was not asked. The yeah, between the, the, the actual, no, was not asked. But would have been much better indicator, I agree. Mm. Well, just before we conclude, let me just, um, before we thank Tatiana uh, mm. again, uh, let me just... Uh, outline the cornucopia here of events coming up in the next few days. First of all, on uh, Wednesday, we have uh, Javier Garcia Palavia talking about economic crisis and political legitimacy in the EU. That's at the field at 5 o'clock. We have a special lecture, a uh, special uh, sociology seminar on Thursday at 2 o'clock in the large lecture theatre, which is about uh, uh, how political institutions shape abortion law in, in the United States Britain and Canada, so that's a special event, which will be a very exciting one. And then, of course, next Monday we have uh, Mary Daly from the University of Oxford in this seminar talking about very similar, uh, nice continuation from the seminar, uh, parents or parenters towards a critical understanding of concept of parenting as developed in policy. So now we can just finish by yep. thanking Tatiana. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.